everyone welcome to the 358th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling live and direct in beaverton oregon we I, yo i did post a uh, blog on holybackboard.com i think a week ago talking about the returning players that excite me the most we got uh three dudes so if you are into draft talk at all Please check that out. We got some really re- nice returning players, and this draft is more interesting than any other draft because of all the talent that is going from everywhere, like the USA with NCAA, G League, and then foreign players. Like they, they might be the best in the uh, in the draft. So it's a lot of interesting things in this draft cycle. So if you want to learn about Donovan Klinging, Terrence Shannon Jr., and Riley Kunkel. Check it out. All right. Let's dive right in. Talk about the week that was, what we liked, what we didn't preview the week that will be. Uh, A quick rundown. The Blazers went into Detroit, beat the Pistons 110-101. No Jalen Duran. Scoot Henderson gets injured midway through the third period, but Shaden Sharp puts up 26 of his 29 in the second half leads the Blazers to a big road victory and in the inaugural in-season tournament opener for the Portland Trailblazers they go to overtime they race a 10-point deficit over the final three minutes against the then winless Memphis Grizzlies Shaden Sharp with an incredible block of Luke Kennard and uh they, they they find a way in OT. They 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 squeak out a 115-113 victory. That was the end of the three-game win streak. Unfortunately, it came to an end. Uh the Blazers lose by 12, 112-110 on Sunday night after being up by 12 with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. A untimely and unfortunate 26-2 run. Yes, you heard that correctly. 26-2 run to the then Memphis to the then winless Memphis Grizzlies over the span of the final eight minutes uh, did Portland in and they are now sitting at three and four this year in the Western Conference uh, just outside of the play-in standings but standings are a little bit irrelevant this time of the year because you just have so much newness you have so much parity I believe there are no undefeated teams and there are no defeated teams there is just a bunch of teams hovering right around 500 and that's probably how it's going to be for the first month or so as teams jockey for position, they insert uh, and get acquainted with their new faces. And sometimes you got new coaches. Uh, we got a ton of star players that have moved in the offseason, most notably and most recently. Uh, James Harden gets dealt mm-hmm. uh, a Woj, Woj alert goes off at 11 p.m. a few weeks ago. And now he's in Los Angeles, just made his debut with the Clippers. And for the first time in a while, there is no NBA drama. And I think we can finally, you know, get cozy. It's daylight savings, gets dark out earlier. So put some tea on, bundle up, and let's snuggle in for this NBA season. Sage, the the Blazers had a surprising, I I think, three-game win streak. I I would say I I think it's important that they get those wins because these are the wins that are going to keep you warm 
They're going to keep you awake during the, the long winter hours. You see the schedule upcoming. It's pretty daunting. I'd be surprised over the next 10 or 15 games if they're favored by Vegas in more than one or two of those contests. So hard times could be coming. And we've talked about this uh, quite frequently. There's going to be some highs, three-game win streak. There's going to be some lows, getting blown out on opening night, potentially a, a, a losing streak coming up just because you're now starting to face, I think, quality competition um, so just enjoy these wins. Enjoy mm. the, the comeback against Memphis. Enjoy the comeback against Detroit. Like this is what it's all about. Um, those moments where you've got a young Shaden Sharp, 20 years old, hitting two pressure free throws to tie the game against uh, the Grizzlies, because it's it's going to be the, the actual if you care about wins and losses, I think the losses are going to start to pile up because yeah, it's going to roll. It's it's going to be an avalanche the, of losses. The schedule has been pretty nice to Portland to start off. And if you, if you look at that, like Detroit is two and five. Memphis is is now one and six. So you, you and Toronto's play, bad too. Toronto is a bad team. Um, and then we beat the two other teams with major components out like. Memphis has so many injured players and John Moran on suspension. We should get a win off of them. Jalen Duran is an absolute stud of a center. He was going to put pressure on our bigs, him being out. And then Detroit all honestly sucking because, you know, their spacing issues and offense. Is just I, I, I got to be honest. Monty Williams. I would be having a lot of gripes if I'm a Detroit For that Pistons. salary too. Like it, it's that, not that just salary, the length of the contract. I think he's trying to play nineties basketball. With you knew that that was Monty because style, we talked though. you, you broke the news that Jalen Dern was out on the recording of the last, yeah. last week. And we're like, Oh, they could go small and start or they could go regular and start Alec Burks, or they could go jumbo and start Marvin Bagley. And what did they do? They started Marvin Bagley with Isaiah Stewart. The spacing was off. And the factor in, they start Killian Hayes, who cannot shoot over Jaden Ivey. There are lots as many players. non-shooters, bro. And yeah, it's it, 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 it's clunky, and they've 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 got a lot of talent. Um, I will say this: pay attention to Asar Thompson. Everyone is gawking over Wembenyama, and, and rightfully so. He's he's a great player, but in less than his tenth career game. He almost put up a five by five performance, mm-hmm. which is five points, five steals, five assists, five rebounds, five blocks. It hasn't been done since Yusuf Nurkic in 2019, early 2019. So we're looking at almost five years that it has not been accomplished. And you have a 20 year old rookie who damn near just did it. Like, don't basically just don't rely on the national media to 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 show who's been hooping. Yeah. who hasn't been because Asar has been that dude. Uh, before we get into the Blazers stuff, well, and, uh, they're they're I saying wanna... how bad Asar is at shooting, but I believe in his shot. Yeah, it's been like the shots He's have missed wide. without shooting though, and yeah. that's what you want to see. But just he think had... when he does shoot, yeah. like he can't be this bad forever. When you have like, you know, thir- he was like a thirty eight percent shooter in overtime elite once once he got all this bad juju out. Like, just imagine what he does production wise when he hits. Yeah, and I, I honestly, I don't think his shot matters for at least five plus years. And there's a few reasons why. One, he plays with a, a dynamic point guard in Cade Cunningham who gets him the ball. Two, he's very active and aware off ball. He caught Shaden sleeping a couple times mm-hmm. and he got back-to-back lobs. 
Uh, and three, he is a savage on the beasts or on the board. <laughs> no, he's a savage beast. <laughs> he's a savage beast on the boards, and he gets a lot of offensive putbacks. He's yeah. always hovering around the rim. He's going to be able to use that, his athleticism to score. He's an absolute joy to watch. And so I'm really happy for the Pistons and uh, would definitely give up anything outside of Scoot and Shaden to get him. Do you him think Monty's going to put Bogdanovich has, has been out and hasn't played? Do you think they're going to do the right thing and put Bogdanovich at four and actually space the floor? Like, yeah, there's he, no way he's starter worthy out of that starting lineup. Like you put you you put Bojan in instead of uh, beef stew, and you have spacing automatically. Like, I think Bogdanovich, like a few members of the Blazers, is a great candidate to be dealt to a contender. They they they, they signed him to a big one. I remember because I used to uh, do prop bets on Bojan and he would always hit the overs. So they, I saw that they re-signed him. Like, I hope that he comes in and makes that Detroit basketball look properly spaced because putting a lot of, you know, that's a lot of, uh, Cade Cunningham isn't the best shooter ever. So you're putting a lot of stress on him hitting like for high percentages without Bojan. So that's our, we're probably going to have a, a weekly Detroit Digest because they are an extremely fun team to follow and watch. And if you have League Pass, I highly encourage uh, following them just because it's always, it's it's also one, great to see how other teams are, are building their roster. Mm-hmm. It's great to see how young talent that you scout uh, develops in the league. And it's also fun to see like, hey, these are potential guys I want on our squad. So um, Detroit is definitely the, the young team that that we will be keeping an eye on. But the, the big news of the week for the Blazers is the unfortunate and unfortunately it is unsurprising uh, injury that Robert Williams, the third suffered in the second game on Sunday against the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, it, it's they're still at this point determining the, the next steps, whether you know, we, we've heard, you know, Shams uh, report that it could be a two to three month cleanup procedure, or it could just be a straight up season ending procedure uh, depending on how Robert feels, how his agent feels, how the Blazers feel. Um, What's his contract is, situation like? Robert Williams has another year left. Okay. Um, and so this is the risk you take if you're Joe Cronin when you're doing the Damian Lillard trade and trying to kind of piece it together. Like, okay, clearly you want to draft capital from Milwaukee and you wanted to flip Drew Holiday. Well, they did the correct thing in, in flipping Drew Holiday. But then when you go to do that and you get, again, draft capital from the Celtics, and then you get Brogdon and Robert Williams, you're probably looking to move those players as well. I know it had been reported that they really liked Rob. And to be frank, he's probably like my third third favorite blazer uh, right behind Scoot and Shaden. I loved what he brought. I loved his decision-making. He was one of the few... It was really pass- quick. Yeah, it was really one quick. of the few willing passers we had. Just a great shot blocker, rebounder. Um, just really enjoyed him, um, and and kind of really bummed that this happened. But when you go out and you acquire a twenty five year old max center in DeAndre Ayton, the need to have an elite backup center didn't feel mm-hmm. uh, necessary to me. So I was always, despite liking him, was always on. You know, we got to find a home for Rob. We got to get some draft capital. Uh, just like for Brogdon, like this is all going to take into consideration what you got in return for for Damian Lillard. Um, 
Robert Williams has two years left on this. So he has three years, including this year. Uh, next year is 12.4. The following year is 13.2. So that's probably better if you're the Portland Trailblazers because teams don't like, let's say next year he starts to perform. Teams don't generally like trading for expiring contracts because if they play well, you got to pay up the next Damn. summer. <laughs> yeah. This year, you kind of get that year buffer. So I don't think all value is 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 lost, but for right now, it has been completely erased and, and you can't expect to get anything. And, and we discussed it when we talked about the trade. Like he's had degenerative knee issues since his time at Texas A&M. It's really what limited him in Boston. There's been reports that Boston told him to play through it and that worsened it. Um, and so the you kind of have to question Cronin a little bit there. Like, did the risk management was bad? The risk management was bad. And from 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 all aspects of it, it just sucks. I, I feel horribly mm. for Rob. It sucks for the the Blazers. Um, because right now winning a one out of 30 teams wins a championship and and you're really up against it. Like if you're looking even five years, we've talked about Detroit, we've talked about OKC, you got a seven, four Frenchman in San Antonio, who's going to be a huge roadblock. You are competing with other young cores and you need to pile up as many assets as possible to make sure that you've got the best chance. And I, I, I know it's maybe nitpicking, but even a first round pick can be the difference between maybe drafting a certain player or going all in on another player. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you want to have that extra uh, pick in your arsenal. So uh, it's just a really crappy situation. And I think it is going to significantly impact Portland's performance on the court. We talked about the schedule uh, heating up. You still have Anthony Simons out for probably over another month. Um, it's out um, officially. For Wednesday's game. Wednesday. So hopefully Scoot can get back on the floor. But those are three major rotation Mm. players that are not going to be available. um, Probably two of the three for an extended period of time. So um, really unfortunate because, again, like I said, I I loved Rob. Whenever I go back and I watch the games, just he's such a smart basketball player. He reminded me of and I'd been thinking this for a while. Obviously, I'm a huge Shaden Sharp fan. And last year, Josh Hart and Trenton Watford were probably the best at getting shade in the ball up in the air mm-hmm. and at the basket. And they just had really good chemistry with him. Those players are gone. And I felt like that chemistry had been missing uh, for Shaden. But Rob, in the past couple of games, started to really find him on back cuts and just look for him. His processing speed is He's pretty incredible. Phenomenal. Yeah. And that's now gone. And so that's another like Shane's one of your best offensive weapons. And then you've kind of limited him a little bit more mm-hmm. because you don't have that player who can get him the ball in easy opportunity situations. Well, like the easiest and most basic play in basketball is the give and go. The fact is, like when Shaden passes it and goes, the defender almost always chills and takes that breath like it's you're just like when you when the guy you're defending passes the ball you chill a little bit but if shaden cuts and robert finds him that could have been like six easy points every single game a give and go and to have to have rob who makes like i think there was a thing where uh rose from uh blazers what said that he had the fastest decision points 
out of all uh, all bigs last year. So you're losing someone with a processing speed that's so fast that could get shade in those easy points because I think DeAndre can pass, but I think there's that the like the loading screen for him to make that decision where Robert Williams it's like instantaneous. Okay, this is what I'm going to do, and I do it. So it's to lose out on that exactly. There's there's like in there if if Rob played 25, 28 like actual uh actual centers minutes, I think he would have found Shaden on a lot of back cuts and a lot of movement. And our our scheme is really based on decision makers making decisions for other players. I think Rob Williams being out really does affect them. Uh, my first thought when Rob got hurt was it's time for Jabari to really get that third big man role secured. And I think that he can. And I think that he's a very, he could be an elite third big in this league because of how smart and intelligent and like I, his positioning on the court is really impressive. And you know, I, I think that this is an opportunity for Chris Murray to get off the bench too, because if Jabari is going to play the third big, he has there's fifth big, fifth you know wing big minutes available for Chris Murray, and I, I think that as these young guys show what they can do, some of these older vets are going to find less and less minutes. Like even Chauncey's realizing that Matisse Thybul isn't really working with this offense. So he'll play three minutes and then Tumani comes in. Tumani even started the second half of, of yeah, he, of he finished games. Game. Yeah. And I've been, I've been pretty impressed with, with Kamara. He's not going to create for himself, but no. I, love his, I love his activity around the basket, the, the tip ins, the, the follow-ups. He's not afraid to shoot the, the, the open three. And I, I thought he did a solid job in the second half on Cade Cunningham, like just the length, that he provides uh he for a second for a second round draft pick he does not foul a whole lot like you never really worry about Tumani Kamara getting in foul trouble and for the for the most part he's taking on he took on a lot of Desmond Bain minutes too mm-hmm. like so he's not just out there chilling against you know Alec Burks or Zaire Williams he's going up against the other team's lead dog and for a, a second round draft pick that neither of us had heard about yeah. we scouted the draft pretty well you have to you have to be very encouraged uh, with what you've seen so far. I think we need to slow down on some of the comps people are giving him. But I don't think there's a need to give him a comp. I just think uh, the fact that you have a second round draft pick potentially being your starting small forward, that's good enough. I don't see his. I think he's a four that's playing three. I think that there's always going to be he. He kind of moves like a robot. So I hope that he and uh, Jabari can get together and in the off season and work on their movement abilities, because I think that he's really good uh, North South running. But I think when you get him East West, there's it's going to be a struggle for him, but I really like the way that he isn't afraid to shoot opposing teams. Don't respect him yet. And the fact is he's taking and hitting shots that are good quality shots. I think, He's got the Dale and Terry effect on him. Remember Dale and Terry in Arizona? He could shoot, but opposing teams didn't believe it. So I think Kamara has to just keep focusing on spreading the floor and taking open shots when they're available. Because when he gets a little antsy, I feel like he just goes straight into the paint. And that's just the absolute wrong thing to do for this 
particular team. So if he can just keep that spacing principles and and shoot, I think we found a really nice value. But I think he's always going to be a high energy, low usage shooter. That's exactly uh, what in the grand thing. Yeah. In the like, grand we scheme, have too many things. guys who think they're the lead dog, and there's yeah. only, we only have a couple. Yeah, and when he he got put in, I think it was the first Memphis game where he got put in a position where he had to post somebody up and score. That isn't him. He has to be spooting like sh- sh- Scoot and Shaden have to feed him in order for him to be anything offensively. So once he gets a rep that he can shoot, I think passively. He's going to help this team immensely. And I mean, if he can just be the low usage energy guy, I think we found a gem, but let's, I don't want him to, I don't want him to be like, you know, local legend status because one, if regression happens, I feel like the fans are going to really turn on him when he becomes just a low usage three point shooter that plays defense, but kind of struggles in, and uh lateral movement but he's also a rookie so there's room for him to grow as well and i think that part of like a being a blazer fan is like you just fall in love with these random players and you just i think it's the dfs are. in me where i'm like no you don't want he's not gonna get just he's he's a winning player i would say like i think he's a player yeah, I, that plays i think outside pure production wise score. i don't like those guys as much that don't give me statistics like it's my bias if he's Cause he's like a fucking 0.5 points per minute guy. I don't value him in this DFS mindset that again, 2014 is when I started doing it. So this mindset has been a thing for almost a decade now where it's like, I value production more than anything else. And then he, him not really producing in any way is like, this guy is, this guy does stuff that I like, but it's like, Production wise, he really doesn't do it for me. <laughs> but at least I can admit that I have a bias towards those type of. Well, speaking of production monsters, I was really impressed with Shaden Sharp this week. Um, we talked about leading the comeback against the Detroit Pistons. Twenty six of his twenty nine points in the second half ended up with twenty nine points. Shot fifty six percent from the field, fifty percent from three. Got to the line ten times, knocked down eight of them. Pulled down seven boards, five assists, two blocks, and a steal. I looked it up. The 29 points, seven boards, five assists. I I specifically went to Kobe and McGrady because both were slightly raw as Mm -hmm. rookies and then had pretty good second years. Neither of them put up those numbers in their second year. So, again, I'm just – but to be fair, Vince Carter did multiple times. Kevin Durant did multiple times. Anthony Edwards did multiple times, but I just specifically looked at Kobe and McGrady because I see certain tendencies between Shaden specifically coming right out of high school, essentially into the professional ranks. And what I liked most from what I saw from, from Shaden was, and this is where I started to get a little bit of hope, right? You, you look in the third quarter when he really put the jets on and Portland actually ran three sets, three, <laughs> the, three of the same sets, him off ball, and he scored uh, taking the ball off of a curl and he finished in traffic. Defense changed up the second play. Fine. He stepped back and hit the three. The third time, this is again another Robert Williams connection. They overplayed him. He made a quick move back door, 
got a dunk. And I was like, oh my God, they're actually starting to realize how to utilize this pretty talented 20 year old Mm -hmm. uh, player. And then you start to see him get the confidence where, okay, he's getting the ball grab and go situations and he's just pulling up from three on the wing and and cashing it. And that that's the one you really start to get excited. That's that is Kobe. That's McGrady. That that's that type of player. That was Anthony Edwards last night against Mm. the Denver Nuggets who just took over that overtime period. And I was watching that and I was like, God damn, I want the Blazers to utilize Shaden like like Ant like Ant like Ant Edwards because you can clearly tell that's the same team. archetype. He's the man, the yeah. same archetype. He is an absolute beast and it's there. But I, I still think that Shaden's kind of like waiting. He doesn't have the ultimate green light. Like, no, Shane. he doesn't. And I, and I think this is the difference. I think Carl Anthony and Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, they realize this is Ant Edwards team. I still think you've got players in Portland who are like Malcolm Brogdon knows he's Malcolm's like it's Malcolm time. Jeremy too. I'm getting up 25 shots. I don't give a damn. And I don't think you have that buy-in quite yet. And so we're going to have to be. Can I talk about my favorite Shaden play in that, or that Memphis game in OT DA set a screen. He and Shaden stepped behind him, got open and launched it. And it was a green three, like perfect release three and 46 minutes with a cold yeah that shot was on his 46th minute and he was playing with a cold so that that is prime that was where i was like that i tweeted it that is a superstar shot the fact that he navigated the screen he isn't the best with handles yet so he was able to generate space using da screen and then have the confidence to pull off the dribble off a screen it was like like, I it was amazing. I think that NBA teams are finally like. I played NBA 2K at a pretty decent level, and I see that shot maybe ten times a game. The fact that he just manipulated the screen so well to generate the space and then hit it, I was like, damn, that's a that's a playmaking sharpshooter doing that in NBA 2K. I don't I didn't think that he had that in his bag yet, especially from year one to year two. Like remember in Summer League when he was experimenting with step backs a lot and people got annoyed with how he was missing? Those reps definitely helped in generating that space to hit that three. Because if I he didn't think- rep it out in a game scenario, he doesn't have the confidence to actually take it in in the most clutches clutch minutes, right? That yeah, was the that, dagger. <laughs> I think Shaden is the type of player that he's 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 low key. He's chill. He's kind of like Kawhi, just laid back, pretty emotionless for the most part. And you get him in a, a setting like summer league, and he like he even said it like he's just out there like wanting to support the team. And you heard some chatter like, oh, Shaden's struggling. You know, we see Keegan Murray and Jalen Williams putting up 40 points in their summer leagues, their sophomore years. Like, what's wrong with Shaden? He doesn't really look, people were saying, doesn't look uh, all the way into it in preseason. To me, Shaden, when you just put him in a corner, he's just going to be like, okay, this is what you want. Like, this is not who I am. But when you start to empower him, like you saw in the final 10 games last year when they said, okay, Shaden, go out there. You're leading the team. He took charge and took command. And you saw in the, this week when they finally kind of just said, okay, we, save us. 
he was able to create, but for, but you also, if you notice, he had, we keep saying 26 of his 29 in the, in the second half. That's because he wasn't involved in the offense mm-hmm. against Detroit in the first half. He really hasn't been involved in the offense the past two games in the first half either. And I don't know if it's a, a product of, of the offense, if it's a product of his teammates, but it's, it's something that I would like to see him take initiative and say, I'm, I don't care if I'm stepping on your toes. I need to get a couple of shots here. Um, one thing that he does need to improve upon, he does tend to float defensively. Asar oh, yeah. got him a few times backdoor. Uh, he got backdoored a few times against uh, Memphis. And had he not been an, an unreal athlete, Luke Kennard's uh, getting a wide uh, open three. Yeah, But he is an unreal athlete. For him to realize, oh, shit, I've got a shooter in the corner. He doesn't even sprint. Like he turns the opposite direction and still is able to make up that ground and block that shot like that. He has all of the tools and the potential that you want in a game changing two way wing. And so I you know thought- it, it's weird because like two, these two players are completely different, but you know how I had the obsession with AJ Griffin it, and when he was at Duke, his shot prep was awful. Like, the ball, his hand was over the ball. It was like Kent Bazemore-esque shot. Like, it, there was so many problems with his shot, but he made it. Shaden Sharp, because of how athletic he is, he can make mistakes just like A.J. Griffin does with his shot prep. And because he's so good and athletic, he can make up for the Kent Bazemoring of his shot or the, the, the just flaws in his jumper. Like the fact is he is that special of an athlete. So it was like, he has just this a plus 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 skill set where, you know, I can fuck up and I can make up for it because I'm that dude. I mean, Yusuf Nurkic said it last year. Like he doesn't know how to play the game. Like Mm. once he figures out how to play the game, He's going to be unstoppable. Like right now, I feel like Shaden, this is just, we're just seeing raw, unfiltered Shaden. And, and I, I think, think once, once we have spacing on the floor in that too. game, like once he starts to, like you said, navigate the screens and work on the step backs, like once he tightens the handle and learns the defenses, like we're already starting to see how he's able to pass off of the dribble and set up his teammates. He had a beautiful lob to, uh, Rob Williams in, mm. in the Memphis game as well. So you're starting to see him piece things together. Uh, he had a beautiful strip on Killian Hayes in the closing minutes of that Detroit game as well. Like just full on sprint was able to get nothing but leather and took away a big fast break bucket for the Pistons. So you're, you're really starting to see everything slowly come together and it, it's really fun to watch. And I, I think that once it's open, like, once we have a four out, one in type of offense, it's going to be so much easier for Shaden to, and Scoop to do whatever they need to do because there's so many non-shooters on this team. Shaden has to do incredible stuff to dunk it, right? Like if you look at all of his highlights, there's at least one blazer there and then his man and the guy guarding his the, the teammate. When we have proper spacing, it's going to be unreal how easy it is for him to attack. It's it, like once we have pa- like guys that fit the what we need to do for Sk- Shaden and Scoot, it's going to be so much easier. Like it, it's 
taking one non-shooter off the court is just so beneficial. So once we have the creativity to play the guys that need to be played together, it's going to be so much easier for Shaden to score. Like this shit's still difficult. Like he has to have craft to score. Once, once that, that spacing issue is taken over, he doesn't, he can just lay it up easily, not have to Euro step and avoid traffic to score. It's going to be amazing what he can do with, NBA spacing. You mentioned Scoot, his hopefully longtime backcourt mate. I thought he looked really strong um, in the Detroit game before injury. He had a pretty good game in Toronto where you could start where you started to see it start to slow down a bit. Um, he's starting to build a really good rapport with DeAndre. I mean, you look at that opening lob from 40 feet mm-hmm. for the reverse dunk. He's starting to pick and roll, get some chemistry with DA. DA dropped a couple of easy ones, but for the most part, he's getting him getting him buckets. Um, I, I love his his energy. Even when he's hurt, he's still standing up on the sidelines. But during that Detroit game specifically, like he was, I mean, you could you could hear on the Pistons broadcast, she's like, let's fucking go, DA. Like mm-hmm. after a, a big, a big uh bucket that led to a Pistons timeout. Um, he hit hit a three, which was huge, I think, for his confidence, but he was also getting to the rim and he was hitting his mid-range. Like you're like, okay, this is the prospect that we saw in summer league. This is the guy we saw in preseason. I think it's starting to slow down for him. It's so unfortunate that he had that setback because I think he was primed to have a, a good two-game series against Memphis. Um, I hope it doesn't set him back too much where he has to kind of go back to square one. But what did you see really just in that Detroit game uh, from Scoot? I think he just was smart with how he attacked the offense or or the the defense because, you know, D.A. has yet to show that he has a consistent jumper. He did a lot of early attacking the basket when the defense wasn't set and D.A. wasn't in the paint. It shows a level of like, all right. This is a little hard with DA just in here. If I can get early attacks and use my amazing bag of finishing craft, like I think the biggest highlight was him doing like a uh, driving to the lane, Euro stepping and the kind of float float game. Like if he can do those early attacks, it's going to generate a lot of offense. And then he's going to do the Steve Nash, pull it out, run outside type of, I, I really think that once he does the Chris Paul, Steve Nash type of, you know, penetration and then going out and running offense, early attack and then normal offense, I think it's going to be a lot easier for him to score J- until he gets the confidence to pull up middies. I think, though, that early attack offense is going to be pretty huge for him. I, I, I mean, there's that whole like advanced stats thing that says, mid-ranges are inefficient and they are but you know those superstars use mid-range so i think we need to i think shaden would be awesome if he did mid-range shots i think if since scoot is such a good mid-range shooter if he can pull up from midi i think it's gonna make a lot of difference but i really did enjoy the way that he was just crafty with how he did initial attacks offensively in that detroit game yeah, and I think if he's able to get DeAndre six to ten more points a night just off of easy feeds, one, you give the defense another look. You're like, okay, we got to stick with uh, DeAndre. That's going to open up the lane for Scoot. So mm-hmm. in this in this instance, I think setting the table for others is going to give himself more opportunities to score 
Um, and he just seems like the type of player that's going to to thrive off of getting others involved. Uh, before we preview the week, uh, I want to touch on um, what I've noticed from this this team under under uh, Chauncey Billups. Quite a few offensive struggles, and they go quite a few. There's there's a few instances each game. It seems like where there's significant lulls in the offense, none more uh, noticeable and and uh, I think glaring than the the twenty six to two run that the Memphis Grizzlies had. Um, Portland was up 98-86 with about eight minutes to go, and it just went all downhill. They did not score a single field goal the the rest of the way. Um, I was texting you, and I was like, oh, Shaden's, Shaden's cooking. You know, he had that beautiful turnaround fadeaway, then he pulled up for three. He took only two shots after that moment over the final eight minutes. Malcolm Brogdon's final eight minutes, the 539 mark missed floater. Made free throws at the 5'11 mark. Missed pull-up three at the 3'32 mark. Missed 30-foot three-pointer at the 2'49 mark. Offensive charge at the 2'17 mark. Missed shot at the 151 mark. Blocked layup at the 27-second mark. Malcolm and Jeremy were horrendous uh, in that game against the the Grizzlies, the second one. Uh, They combined to shoot just 16 of 42. They took 44% of our 95 team field goal attempts. And I I just, and it wasn't just that game. Um, We were three for 15 to start the second quarter um, over a seven minute stretch on Friday against Memphis. Um, We just have, I've noticed quite a bit. There's difficulties in making simple entry passes to Deandre Ayton. Um, Jeremy Grant's shot selection has just been stinky. Um, and I was thinking, I was like, oh my God, we're getting Detroit Jeremy Grant. And sure, sure enough, I went in and I looked and you can, you can see when he has a smaller role, like he did in Denver, he shot 48% from the field. Mm. But when he goes to Detroit, um, those numbers really dropped. He 43% in 2021, 42% in 2022. When Dame was a here last year, back up to 48%. And what is he shooting now? Uh, pretty much a career worst uh, 40% from the field on a career high 17.3 field goal attempts per night. And you just, you watch Jeremy and he just gets tunnel vision and he's like, I'm going to put the ball down. I'm going to do a couple dream shake moves. And he's, he's shooting fadeaways over two plus defenders trying to attack multiple defenders. Like there's, there's really no way he's looking to pass the ball. There is a tunnel vision there where the, the the statistics don't lie. In seven games, he has 11 assists and 19 turnovers. Um, and it's not just in terms of the turnovers. It's not just Jeremy. I, I've noticed, you know, even my 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 best friend Shaden. Like they're every Blazer. It seems like they 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 love driving baseline and then they just jump. There there's no follow through probe like Steve Nash used to do. They're just driving up and they're like. Oh, oh shit. What do I do now? And it, it leads to a turnover. Um, there's just a lot of standing around too. Like everyone's spread yeah, out. Well, that, I mean, I, I don't think that that's the player's issue. I think that's yeah. the coach's issue. Um, I, I would say this, the second Memphis game, Jeremy didn't in the, in those last eight minutes, he missed shots. It wasn't egregious ball hog East West dribbles. He just missed. I think the the glaring issue off also is 
the defense, it was just this two man game on Memphis where they got Desmond Bain on. They put DeAndre yeah. in in space every yeah. time. Yeah. So they just they have to be more physical on defense, not to just auto switch. And I th- like uh, last year, I thought it was just Josh Hart being weak doing the auto switch, but it's the same thing this year where guys that are good defenders are just dying on screens. And I feel like it's like, we got to put our bigs in awful, awful situations for them to just get scored on. I think that our defense just isn't sustainable in clutch moments, like in, in where defense really matters. Like in the last five minutes of games, we just get exposed because we put DA in a situation where we're going against a dude who's absolutely on fire both games, driving it to the hoop. I think we need to really not die so easily as screen-wise. Offensively in those last eight minutes, I just imagined what Scoot would do in that situation. I, I miss I Scoot cool so much. I, yeah. I, I just Malcolm Brogdon should not be ISO. Like, let me look, actually. Uh, I broke down all of his plays. That 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 was the Malcolm show. N- yeah, let me let me do Malcolm Brogdon on uh scoot off. Cause it's we're like obviously we think that you're the worst Malcolm, you're the worst offense in the NBA. Yeah, and, and that and, and that's obvious. But when Mal- Malcolm has a 28% usage. Malcolm Brogdon should not have the ball in his hands this much. We're misutilizing him and putting him in situations he should not be in. Like, I'm looking, I, I want to, like, he has a 37% assist rate on this team. We're not, like, for, Malcolm say, Brogdon for, should like, not be what in. What does that mean? Like, these are all. We so know he has the ball in his we... hands and is trying and is passing it. He is the only assist person on our team. We are misutilizing this catch and shoot guy. Like he should not be trying to drive at such a high rate. Like it's not like I get it. Malcolm Brogdon is doing things that winning basketball really isn't about, but they're misutilizing this guy who is a catch and shoot, like amazing guy. We're putting him in in this game. Memphis We're putting them in really bad situations for uh for this team. Like, yeah, it was I'm a catch and drive. Brogdon corner hit, started the rally. He's driving 22 percent of the time he's on the court. Have you ever seen Malcolm Brogdon drive that much? He's usually a catch and shoot guy. Like Boston, he was a catch and shoot guy. Indiana, he was driving, but it was like only because he was younger and more athletic. Like. We're misutilizing him and putting him into situations that was just unfair to put him in. So in those minutes where we were just bricking everything, I was like, oh, if Scoot was there, it would have been changed because Scoot uh, um, Malcolm just does not have the juice that Scoot does. So in those situations, like if Malcolm was on the court spacing and Scoot was driving... I think we would have won. It's just that we put somebody that's not an ISO guy in situation where he had to be the ISO ISO guy. His usage is high. His his the fact that he is generating thirty five percent of our assists is insane. He he's just like we're just misutilizing these players now. Yeah. And once Scoot comes back, I think 
those last eight minutes would have been, you know, like we're making a significant amount of these. It was just, it's just bad utilization of who we are. And like, the fact is we knew Scoot was out. We needed to change our philosophy offensively. And we just didn't like we had the game that he was out in Detroit. I don't care. He's out. He he was playing and then he was out. Don't change anything. But we had two days of knowing Scoot was out and we didn't really change anything with how we attack. Like, I, I think if Shaden was put in that situation, we would have been much better. But we're putting a guy that's the least athletic guard in the league. Like, yeah, there was just no. Didn't feel like there's any creativity. Um, no, there's not. It's 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 the uh, it's the uh, high school ball type of scheme, man, where it's it's a cut and then everyone moves one slot. It's, it's and it's the, a, it's uh, a lot of one pass and shoot. It's like one pass, like, and everyone's kind of guilt. Like I think most everyone's guilty of it. Yeah, guilty of it. Like if, it seems like that's why Rob being out hurts because I felt like with Shaden out or Scoot out, it was like. Shaden and Rob Rob's our best team. passer or second best passer if Scoot's out. Yeah, I felt like those two were the only ones making extra passes. Like in that first Memphis game, um, I thought Shaden could have just rose up from mid-range to tie it up, but he cut through the middle of the floor and he got Jeremy Grant a wide open corner three that just went in and out. And that's where you want Jeremy Grant shooting is catch and shoot because he's he's lights out. Um so it's it's not surprising that they're the worst offensive team. I just wanted to to note that and things that I've been picking up on. It's it's I think Where the numbers we- lie. I think the numbers lie defensively because Portland is technically the ninth best defensive rating. Team. Oh yeah, we're it, but I think it's a, it's a product of the teams they have played. Oh, I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. Memphis is anemic. You got them twice. Toronto and uh, Detroit. They're Without not JD, yeah. setting any records. And the defense is definitely going to, I think, take a hit one with Rob being sidelined and two, the schedule is just going to really, I mean, take up, up like you're playing video games. You're upping the difficulty two or three settings. So, all right. So I'm looking at um, uh, Shaden's statistics. Where would you want him? So out of his shots, where would you want him using his mid-range abilities? So I just want him taking more shots. I want more shading. More. I, I get it. But where, like, do you want 50% at the rim, 20 in the midi, 30 at three? Like, where would you want most of his shots coming from? Personally, I, I, I love if he comes off a screen and shoots a mid-range shot because he can rise up above everybody. I think it's, that it's a, he should utilize it yeah. more. He's only, uh, I'm looking at all of his shots, 20% of his attempts are mid-range. I would I would boost that up to like 30, 35, because I know it's a dead art, yada, 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 DeMar DeRozan, but if he can hit at all three levels, you're unguardable. Offensively, he's going to be so much more scary than just dunks and threes. Like, I, I really would love to see... Um, Shaden become a three level score with more mid range and then assist at a higher rate than he actually is. Those are the two things that I well and dribbling, but like I those are the two he, main things that I would. I think he's capable of that right now. I just I don't think he's being empowered as the guy. I think Chauncey is still holding on to Jeremy and Malcolm, 
And when Ant comes back, he'll kind of slide into that. So I, I really do think he's being held back by, yeah, and, yeah, by totally. the staff. And like, <laughs> and that's why it's frustrating because you you see things like the 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 three sets they ran against Detroit. If you have an ESPN Insider, um, or spoiler, if you just go to a webpage archive, you can you can check it out too. Zach Lowe did his ten things he liked, and he highlighted that exact scenario and he breaks it down with video and what portland did to get shaden open how he scored and i was like okay this is what i want to see especially from a third year head coach but it just it hasn't like whatever momentum was gained it just it's like it stops and like they go back to to square one but do you have anything else just doesn't have the juice creativity kit creativity wise no he's i think he's good at motivation but in terms of X's and O's and in-game management, um, wow, one dear. using his his challenge in the first quarter of the Memphis game, the first Memphis game was asinine. No. But then he holds on to the challenge and takes it home with him in the second Memphis game. You saw Taylor Jenkins masterfully use his challenges in that first Memphis game, yeah. almost got him the dub. Basically, it was like an eight-point swing. Could you imagine like how much? better this team could be if they just had a little bit more of a strategy a strategy guy who just knew what the fuck he was doing and i don't even think chauncey Billis is a good uh inspirational guy for young players i think he is i think but, it gets lost on the vets look but what happens when with Yusuf nurkic and all of that the vets he does not get through the vets but like he can get skies like skylar may's juice to play i will give him that <laughs> Oh boy, the 14th man on a good team gets hyped to play. He's absolute trash. I'm looking. Guess how many mid-range shots Tumani's taken? This season? Yeah. Eight. Zero. Oh, I had no idea. He, stretch the floor, Tumani. That's all I want you to do is stay in the corner and stretch the floor. All right. Let's move ahead to the upcoming week. Just two games to look at. Portland hits the road for three games in seven days a a long road trip uh unnecessarily long if you ask me especially since they're staying all in the west coast but wednesday they play the the sacramento kings uh and sunday they've got the los angeles lakers and then tuesday they've got the utah jazz uh, but we will just talk about um the kings and the lakers both teams uh struggling to to start this season the kings uh two and four They've lost uh, three straight games. Um, De'Aaron Fox has been in and out of the lineup. Um, the Lakers, three and four as well. Again, losers of of two straight. But we will talk about the the Kings. Uh, Sage, this was a team when we did our, our, our preview where we were a little bit worried that they didn't add a whole lot uh, to mm-hmm. the third record squad that they had last year. And it feels like it's going to be tough for them to be competitive with De'Aaron Fox sideline. They just, they don't have that juice. He is their juice. He is there. He is um, there. And juice. you're looking at Davion Mitchell. I like Davion Mitchell as a backup defender. I don't like Davion Mitchell as yeah. a starting level point guard, making decisions and setting the table for the rest of that Sacramento offense. Um, it puts way more responsibility on Sabas to be, you know, Joker light with the playmaking. I yeah, like I if De'Aaron's out for this game, it puts a lot of stress on players that don't really deserve to have that stress. Like they I mean, they built got this team for De'Aaron Houston without De'Aaron. Yeah, they put a lot of stress on 
all right, you just have to make these open shots. Darren's going to generate it for you. Just take it and make it. So putting they lost them. They lost a mini series to Houston. Both those are Houston's only two victories this year. And they got, they lost by 18 on Saturday and then they lost by 25 on uh, yesterday. They they just aren't a good team without De'Aaron. They, they, like he, he just has that juice. And then Malik Monk just doesn't play enough to be, I feel like he has the creation abilities for himself, at least to, to, you know, create enough offense, but he just doesn't have the 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 time enough to play it. So if De'Aaron's out for this game, we're gonna win. And I, I know Scoot's out for this game, so it's it, it's gonna be Malcolm Brogdon and Shaden Sharp really taking advantage. Like uh, without without Scoot on the floor, De, DeAndre really doesn't get as much involved as much. So I, I think it's gonna be Jeremy Grant, Malcolm, and Shaden having good games. And I, I think that. I think it could be Shaden just driving because they don't really have a shot blocker. Sabas is they one of the worst side presence. Yeah, this, they, is a game, this is a game DeAndre would benefit mightily from having Scoot Henderson. There needs to be a, a conscious effort to get DeAndre the ball uh, down low, get Sabonis in foul trouble. Um, it's it's a game that they that, that they should win, but. Rob Williams being out really hurts. Like if, if DeAndre gets into foul trouble, which he has in the past, that could be tough. Um, I'll be interested to see what they do with Matisse Thibel. Um, Could this be the game where we finally see more starting Kamara and then we get Chris Murray Jabari minutes? Like that's interesting to me. I, I, I really think that he's, I see it with Jonas Valanciunas a lot in New Orleans or he starts and plays three minutes and gets on the bench. I really think that that could be Matisse Dybul. If there is a game where he can be effective, we'll play him. But most likely he's on the bench for 38 minutes of the game and plays the first three of the first and first three of the third. Like I really, who does he, who does he defend on the Kings without De'Aaron Fox? It's over. It's like, if he if he Harrison is going Barnes, to be, I put Malcolm Brogdon on. Yeah, like um, there just isn't a guy on this team unless he wants to guard some bonus. I guess like yeah, I, there just I, I isn't a guy for him to guard. The status isn't out yet. Back. I'll say Blazers win. Oh, Blazers if, definitely win if De'Aaron Fox is out. Blazers lose if De'Aaron Fox is in. I agree. Are contingent on De'Aaron Fox playing for our predictions. Uh, for our listeners, Sage is plus two on the season so far. Um, Have yeah, I missed DA, a game yet? I don't think I've missed a game yet. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, well, but it, DA, I, DA, DA needs to feast. He's the NBA's leading, leading rebounder. rebounder. NBA league leading rebounder, DeAndre Ayton, needs to feast. Um, moving on. He, so I was looking. He is significantly affected by Scoot being on. Like his involvement on the offense, it honestly isn't much regardless. But he goes from Shaden Sharp last year when he was getting the ball a bit to Josh Hart last year. Like it, it's a humongous dive in what he can do on the court. Rebounding is kind of saving his ass production wise because he just doesn't touch the ball enough offensively. Portland now. Gets two days off 
Thursday, Friday, three days off, excuse me, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they probably fly back home to Portland, I would imagine, um, because it's a pretty short flight to Los Angeles, but we will see. They take on the Lakers, who are three and four on this season, and they've got quite a bit of an injury report as well. Jared Vanderbilt is, is going to be out. Gabe Vincent missed Monday's game against Miami. Um Hachimura had a concussion. He missed Monday's game against Miami. Jackson Hayes missed Monday's game against Miami. So they've got quite a few players uh, banged up. But as long as you've got LeBron and Anthony Davis, I think that's going to be a tall task for any uh, Blazer team. But I really hope Scoot has returned for this one. I want to see him on a big stage. Um, and there's really none brighter than, than Los Angeles uh, against the Lakers. Does Matisse play more because of the potential of uh, LeBron? Does it matter? <laughs> we're losing. We're, we're losing. So Sage, just... here, let me rephrase this. It's LeBron freaking James. He's going to score. He's going to pass. He's going to defend regardless of if it's to Monty Kamara or Matisse Thibel. If Chauncey Billups thinks any otherwise, I don't know what to do. I don't, it's, it's LeBron. And, it's and LeBron. I'm trying to think, like, how are we defending AD? Putting DA on him is not a uh, viable strategy. And Jeremy Grant hasn't really defended him well, if I remember right. Those two yeah. might be 35 and like 15 type of performances. Or they could just dominate us for three quarters and rest the four. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. Both the Kings and Lakers, Portland is their first opponent after a, a road trip. So there's always that that element to be thrown in there because that can always feel like an extended road game. That first home game back uh, LA plays Houston Wednesday and the sun's Friday. So is um, there a chance that they rest one or both? They shouldn't, but I'm just more along the lines of there's weird things that can happen scheduling wise. They could overlook uh, the trailblazers. Um, it's I, a non-zero chance that they just rest and beat us regardless. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they still have Austin Reeves, who put yeah. up 23 points against the Heat. They still have D'Angelo Russell, who has the capabilities of uh, putting up a lot of uh, points. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting. I really want to look at, obviously, Shaden Sharp in Los Angeles. Like, I don't think they have anybody defensively, not named LeBron, that could, could stick with him. And, and I, I don't think, think you put LeBron in that matchup probably not not for, not for a, a long stretch of time so and I this is a back-to-back right so no no back-to-back oh okay the game sunday their their last oh, game okay. friday all right so what i'm looking for is can who's whoever wins i think the three-point line is probably going to win this game portland has shot atrocious from downtown uh as the, the Lakers were eight for 26 against the Miami heat. So you've got the free throw line and then the bench, obviously Portland is going to be uh, without Robert Williams. So then who can kind of keep Christian wood contained a bit. He's had big games against Portland in the past. He's getting a lot of minutes for the Lakers. Like this, I think could be a big prove it game for a guy like a Jabari Walker uh, or to Monty Kamara that can come in and just be aggressive, rebound the ball, kick it out. Um, and just kind of force scratch. Christian to play defense because he's that? awful. Force Christian to have to, yes, because 
Christian's gonna give up as many points as he scores if it's a normal game. If it's not, if it's if it's a heater, we're losing, like for sure. But there's he's gonna give up points. So whoever is his matchup defensively has to make him work. I wouldn't like this is one of those games where we have to make sure to put Jabari or Jabari set a screen, put Christian Wood in pick and roll. I think that could be a lot of generated easy points for Scoot if he plays or Malcolm if he plays. Uh, you know, it's going to be a uh, we have to attack their weak. If we're trying to win, they have, we have to attack the weakness of Christian Woods defense when he plays any possessions. So I, I would involve him in everything, just like, you know, Memphis did with D.A. Just force him to defend, you know, yeah, D.A. has got to stay out of foul trouble, too. Yeah, I, I, I honestly think Jabari could. I really, really believe in Jabari defensively. I think he could really frustrate uh, Christian Wood because of how just strong Jabari is. I think that that could frustrate him because he's he's strong and just couldn't push Christian's skinny ass out of the way. So I hope Jabari takes this as a uh, a challenge and just dominates Christian Wood. Um, I've got the Lakers winning. Yeah, um, Lakers I think win. pretty easily as well. And I think that wraps up this this episode. You got some food to eat. I've got a a baby to corral, and we will see you all uh, next week. Uh, Sage, let our listeners know where they can find us. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere where you get your podcast. We are there. Check us out. Holy backboard. I'm writing more this year with, uh, you know, on the blog, holybackboard.com. Check out the uh, returning college players article that I wrote. Um, we are also on IG on at Holy Backboard um, and Facebook as well. And then TikTok, check us out at the Sage HB. All of our uh, short form content will be there. And we have a, a clothing store, so I will put that in the description of it. But it's Holy Backboard, and uh, the the creation site is Printify. So if you want to get your Holy Backboard uh, black logo hat or T-shirt or sweatshirt, it's absolutely there. I'll try and make it so it's free shipping for all of the people that type in Holy Backboard at checkout. So check us out uh everywhere we're we're really we're really out there producing content in uh 2023 2024 so peace out everybody i'm gonna eat this pasta wherever you may be this is bill shinley good night everybody let's go, let's go.